Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends, so question number five, what's the Royal Marines really like? So I'm just going to talk here folks because if I try and pick my words too carefully it just ends up in a waffle. Uh, I don't mean to offend anyone, people will have different opinions, people will have different experiences. I'm just going to tell you my story um, and I'll talk through it and I'll just I'll just flag up a few things, yeah. Is that is that good? Um and also this isn't like a hey, what was Royal Marines training like? I'll I'll do that in another video. And nor is it about what is the role of the military. You see, the role of the military is to carry out the rule of the ruling elite. Ba- basically in a nutshell. I mean, yeah, there's a possible threat of invasion. There may be another Falklands conflict, right? It's still kind of arguable whether you need to send a huge task force to the other side of the world to essentially kill other working class kids. Um, where, you know, whether that should be your first resort, but this isn't about being political. Um, But it is important to understand the role that you're going into. If you become a Marine, you you get sent into combat and you're not going to question it. You will want to go and fight. You'll want to go and kill because that's what fighting is. And you're you're too young and naive and inexperienced to realize who you're actually fighting for or what you're fighting for. I don't want to, I won't go into that now. I just want to talk about experience like in the military. Um, because I hold a reunion every year. One thing you'll find with pretty much 99.999% of ex-Marines is we're incredibly proud of of what we were a part of and what we achieved to get our Green Berets. Um, But I hold a reunion every year and I get a lot of, you know, up to like 300 veterans turn up. And one of them said to me at the last reunion, he said, Chris, it's shit, isn't it? (laughs) I'm like, what? What shit? He said, fucking Marines, shit. And that might sound offensive or, or and it's not meant to be what but what he was saying is is it's not like you see in the recruitment adverts and that the the reality of the job is very it's not just very different to what you think it's going to be much of the time it's that there is times when it's absolutely shit Right. And just to kind of 
example something which shows you that most the average service of a marine is about seven years between seven and nine that's when most people leave and i'd add to that and say because that's when most young men who are looking for kind of excitement in their life who are looking to achieve they get to a point where they think i've kind of done it all now and certainly like i was i i i'd been in combat I was in the Northern Ireland conf conflict, so I'd have my experience of, you know, being shot at and, and essentially going into a war carrying a, an, an automatic weapon surrounded by my, my buddies, you know. And then uh, I did Arctic warfare training up in Norway. And then I was fortunate enough to travel all around the world as part of an elite detachment on board a, an aircraft carrier and after that with the exception of going to the jungle which i i did later in life there wasn't a hell you know other than doing all that stuff again there, there wasn't much more to achieve and so for people like myself it becomes a like well those things were great but it's only three months of the year, maybe five months in the case of, of going into combat, right? And the rest of that year, well, that's a long time, you know, seven months, six months, five months, whatever it is, that's a long time to fill up. And the way that the, you do it in the military so I'm saying military to stop saying Marines, Marines, Marines. But it, the way we do it in the Marines is you, you do physical exercise. So you'll fall in in the morning. You'll do PT. You might go for a seven mile run. You might do some sprints. You might do some push ups and all this kind of stuff. Right. But that's one one hour of the day. You then might have a lecture where one of your corporals has been asked to put something together just to interest you, you know. That's two hours of a an eight-hour day, right? And then it's kind of a case of, right, fellas, just, just go and hang around, wait for an order, and you might go and sit down, drink tea for two hours, um, wait, then you might get a shout to go and shift a, some chairs, right? So you're trained elite commandos, and you've just waited two hours to go and shift some freaking chairs, right? And this is, and it's it's the fact that six months of your year, or even if it's three months, that's still a long time of your life, right? To be sat around waiting to shift furniture, looking at your watch going, I just want to go home now. Could you send me home now? And let's be honest, even if you get sent home for the day, I mean, a lot of the fellas live on camp, right? Some people like myself, I lived off camp mainly. Um, irregardless, you want to, you just want, they call it getting thinned out. You just want to be thinned out. The guys on camp go back to their rooms. They'll, they'll, you know, busy themselves, probably getting ready to go downtown and have a few pints. The guys that go home, maybe you've got families or they've got hobbies or this kind of thing. But it's not really a healthy environment to spend all your day looking at your watch 
hoping that you'll get sent home. You want a career that that you want to be there in the career, right? And it's the same at weekends. I mean, they're quite good in the, in the Marines. If there's nothing on, you might get a shout on a Thursday that it's like, right, fellas, fuck off. And that's it. Everyone runs for the train or the, the their motorbikes or jumps in the car and they, they just get home for the weekend, right? And it's this downtime that I think affects a lot of people. And it's not to say every single Marine has, this is in a commander unit, right? So your fighting unit, you won't spend all your time in a commander unit. You'll, you'll hopefully go on different drafts, but irregardless, you, you'd get a lot of this quiet time. Of course, you can join the special forces in the Marines. It's the SBS, the special boat service, and they're going to probably, they'll either keep you busy doing, you know, elitist weapons training and all kind of specialist stuff all around the world. But you're also going to get a lot of this downtime as well, right? Excuse me. And um, the difference is in the SBS, you're doing your downtime knowing you've got one of the best jobs in, in the world and you don't want to leave it, right? Now, what am I saying? Putting that apart, I just taught you through what I did. So I went to Northern Ireland. That was full on. Okay, forget the politics. I'll talk about that in another video. I was young, naive. I was out the box, you know, like to whip it out the trap. Just let me get involved. And, and I found it really exciting. I wasn't scared as apparently you're supposed to be scared when you go to in, into conflict. Right. Even when bombs were going off sometimes every day and we've been shot at quite a lot. I honestly, I just loved every minute of it. And I just got stuck in stopping the terrorists in the, in the street because I'd recognize them from our intelligence lists and questioning them and, and uh, doing house searches and looking for, um, looking for command wires, which is the wire that runs to a bomb, like in people's front gardens and this kind of stuff. Um, doing top cover on the vehicles as you drove around the city. I was in, in Belfast. And uh, like I say, putting the politics aside, because I look at it very differently now as, a, as an adult. Um, yeah, that was great, right? But what I will say is all the time I was there, you want to go home. I know that sounds weird, doesn't it? But from sort of like the second and third month of, we were there, I think five months from like the second month in, you really just start looking forward to going home, which is strange, isn't it? Because I think it's because you think of home as your normality, but you've signed up to get the green beret and go out and fight with your mates and, and, and have all these adventures. So it doesn't really make sense, but you just do, you just start counting the days. Uh, Norway. I loved it. I love certain aspects of it. I was found I was really quite good at skiing. So that was great to learn how to cross country ski, 
to to live in the snow. It was brilliant, but I'd so much rather have done it now at my age. I'm 50 because I'm bigger, tougher mentally, and I would have got more more out of it, right? Um, than when I was young. I mean, I was 19, maybe 20, and everything seemed so hard. The backpack, the burden that we had to lift was just ridiculous. It was like lifting a small house and then you had to put a pair of skis on and go downhill. I I honestly thought it was a joke at first. That wasn't what, what bothered me so much. The fact is I'm quite a small frame guy and it was physically really demanding um, to the point where I, I began to question, like, can I do this? And I did. I mean, I got through a deployment. It was three and a half months and I, I was fine. Um, but it it's quite something to ski like 80 miles, carrying this huge pack. And then you stop and you put up your... Um, we had tent sheets, which is a, another story, these real heavy sheets that you stuck together. And then we we were lucky. We were the first Marines ever to try all lightweight tents, which was still, you know, a tent is a tent, right? And if it they were five, five or six man tents. And so they weighed, you know, best part of 10, 10 kilos. We used to split split them up. Someone would carry the poles, someone would carry the fly sheet, someone would carry the, the inner, someone would carry the pegs, right? But anyway. You've been skiing for 18 miles, you're cold, you're hungry, you're tired. You haven't been able to eat during all that time because there's just no time. You might have got a couple of cups of tea. And if you were savvy enough, you would have melted some water and had it in a drinks bowl inside your jacket so it didn't freeze. And then no sooner have you got your tent up and you've dug it in with a snow wall all around it to, 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 to block out the light coming from your tent. And that takes about three to four hours and no sooner have you got in you've got a meal on then you're called out for guard duty and you've got to do your hour guard so you've got to get out this nice warm environment put all your cold wet freezing equipment back on go and stand in this you know anything up to minus 30 for an hour in the dark you can't see anything you just see tiny specks of light in the distance where where people have got their cabins, their winter homes or whatever. And not only did I stand there just wishing I was in one of those cabins, having a nice hot cup of coffee from a kettle that you plug into the wall, right? You can plug a kettle into the wall and push a switch and it does everything for you, right? As long as you put water in, you know, as opposed to, getting a cooker out, filling it with fuel, pumping it up. Or we had these little blocks of, of uh, called hexamine that you put on the cooker and you lit it. And that would build up pressure. You had to light the cooker, yeah. And that would build up pressure in the cooker. Then when you turn the gas on, it would, psh, you know, you could get a flame going. And all this takes time, right? 
I used to just stand there wishing I could just put a kettle in and have a proper cup of coffee and then sit on a cat, you know, lie on the couch watching football or something. So not only is it like this, but you get back in your tent. Yes, finally, I can get in my sleeping bag, get some sleep. You get in your sleeping bag, you put your head on a pillow and then you hear, Poopo! No! No! Please, this ain't true. Pull pole means literally pull your poles up. We're going again. And that's it. Pack all your stuff away. Hopefully you've got it all neatly so you know where it all is. You can do it quickly because all this is it's got to be done at a certain time. You have a pull pole time. Got to be ready for them. And it's horrible because it means you've just got to get up, get going, pack up all the tent again, distribute it, put these heavy burg on, put your skis and off you go. And you do it because you're commandos and that's what you're trained to do. But you're so tired and hungry and all you want to do is be in that sleeping bag asleep. And then you had times, um, sometimes it went the other way. Sometimes you got in your tent. We were in a tent one time. It was a 10-day exercise or maybe maybe 12 days. And we stayed in a tent for three days. So other than doing your one hour of guard duty, which is kind of one hour in four, sometimes one hour in in in, in eight, if you if you're really lucky, we just lay in our sleeping bags, cooking up food, eating it, and then sleeping. It was it was luxury. And then one point we got flown, the choppers came in and picked us up. They flew us out to HMS Invincible, the aircraft carrier, the one that I later served on, right? And we had camp beds for, I think it was like two nights. And we didn't have to be in the snow. We didn't have to be skiing around. We just stayed on board ship. And they had a shop. It's called the Naffy, right, in the in, in the military. You could go to the Naffy and get a beer and food, right? His food was just such a novelty. I didn't even think about getting a beer. But the problem was, in order to get on those choppers to be flown out, you know, what, what we're talking up there, Norwegian Sea, isn't it? Or in the, in, in the Arctic Circle, we had to sit on our Bergens for about nine hours. So you're in the Arctic Circle. It's about minus 25, or it can it can certainly be. Generally, it's around about minus 10. You're cold and wet, hungry, tired, sat on your Bergen. The boss, your troop officer's gone, five minutes smoke break. Great, five minutes, then the choppers are going to come and get us, right? And nine hours later... You're still on that five minute break waiting for the choppers to come. And you're like this, jump, stomping your feet to keep warm. You're making up all these stupid like games to play with your, with your, we call it oppos, right? Your colleagues, such as like, right, what film was this? And you come out with a line from a film like, gonna need a bigger boat, something like this, right? So there's a great side to Norway. I mean, looking back, wouldn't have changed it for the world, but at the time, I would have 
I just thought about being in the warm so much. Um, finally, uh, on the aircraft carrier, best year of my life. Sailed all around the world. It was only 12 of us in the Marines detachment. Best year in my life. I'll, I'll do another a video about that. Um, we sailed to Barbados once. We had very little to do at sea. Our job was to, let's just say, protect certain weapon systems when we're in port to stop people attacking the ship, basically, and stealing the sophisticated technology or damaging it. When we were at sea, we did very little. So we'd go and do PT on one of the one of the ship's decks, like the after deck or something, right? Or we'd go and help the matlows do some painting. A lot of the time, we just sat watching videos, cracking jokes, drinking tea and coffee, cracking more jokes, taking a piss out of each other, and cracking more jokes. Uh so, yeah, brilliant year in my life. Sailing to Barbados is just, I, I can never put that into words. It's like you're sailing into paradise. And we had women on board our ship. We're the first ship ever to have women on. And that added a a nice kind of uh, angle to it, especially if you had a relationship going on with one of the girls. Um, just, it it was just really nice. So, yeah, that was that. My last four years was guard duty. I was just protecting a barracks. It's kind of like it was my choice. I did it because I wanted to buy a house in the place where I lived, Plymouth. And as such, while I bought this house, I was serving in this barracks, just protecting the barracks. And it was boring. It was about the limit of human boringness. The reason I stuck it is because obviously I'd moved into this new place, but I'd also started my business. You read my book, Eat and Smoke, you'll you'll know what I'm what I'm on about, the business that took me to Hong Kong. Um, so I'm standing on the main gate for four hours at a time in all weathers, with an S80 rifle, protecting the camp, talking to an aging civilian security guard. They brought in security guards to keep the cost down, right? And he's telling me about, you know, he's going to change the floor mats in his Sierra at the weekend. He's going to gloss the skirting boards. Wicked. You know, it, it's, it, it was boring, that's all I can say. Four hours on, four hours off for 24 hours. Middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, all you want to do is be in your bed as as you do at two in the morning. You're stood there on your, sometimes, you know, you're not talking to this guy. You're just tapping your feet or that's it. Four hours in all weathers, right? Um, and like I say, it was my choice to do that draft, but but it, it that I did that for three maybe four years and it, that was enough um what else what it what's it really like in the marines well you're not going to like everybody that's a harsh fact probably in all all walks of life 
the problem in the Marines is some of the people you don't like or, or moreover, they don't like you are real fucking hard nuts. I mean, seriously hard men. And you got to pick your battles in the Marines because you don't want to gob off to the wrong one because they're just going to fucking punch your face in. On the other hand, you can't become the punching bag, right? Because there's not a lot of bullying in the Marines compared when I was in compared to some of the other. So I'm talking about the Army, obviously. Uh, but it does go on. And you get your pricks just like in every walk of life. And if you get one that's got it in for you, you've got to stand up for yourself or you're just going to get bullied. Um, as I say, like it wasn't widespread, but you could just have someone bullying you. Not not everyone had just one person that just and, and didn't like you. So it helped if you were like me that you just basically would la I would just lash out. It's like I'm never going to be bullied, right? I'd rather just fight and get my head kicked in. And then that's it. It's done then. It's not going to happen again, right? But, you know, it, it, I, I'm imagining it probably not just wrecked a few people's careers, but it ruined a few people's lives. Um, yeah, so you're going to get that. Uh, you're going to get guys that are, we call it core pissed. They're seriously like all they think of is military. Like they got their green beret when they were 16 or 18. They're so proud of it. They can't like see outside the box. And for a lot of people, it's like they're only in the Marines just for a bit of a laugh and a bit of an experience and just to live their young life. And these old guys, it's, it's chalk and cheese, right? And you start to get situations where you want to go home for the weekend because fuck this shit. You've done your Marine stuff in a week. You want to go see your missus or ride your mountain bike or go partying or whatever it is. And uh, you got some old guy like, right, no, no one's going home. We're all staying here this weekend. And because there might be like one thing on a Sunday that needs doing, some chairs that need shifting or, you know, I'm just thinking of any silly example here, obviously, but just like one thing, they're going to keep you all home for the weekend. And that it's that, if you can understand that upset that that mentality causes, you've got all these grown blokes, they're professional commandos, they wear the green beret, and they're getting kept from their wives and their children and their life outside the Marines. They're getting kept from that all weekend because some old dimwit who, who's got no aspirations for himself or he's got no belief in himself to leave this life and go and try something different, he's going to keep you there just because, you know, there's one silly chore to do on a Sunday that could be fucked off during the week, right? And it's that reason that is a big part of why so many people leave after such a short career. Another thing as well is I become quite concerned about the number of people telling me, like, don't go outside, Chris, don't go outside. Outside, obviously, being to civilian street. And I got it. 
I knew what they meant. They'd say there's nothing out there. But I'd think I can't be in a job where people are telling me that that the only reason I should stay in the job is because there's nothing else out there. I mean, there's loads of other jobs out there, right? There's loads of other experiences. There's doing nothing, you know. There's traveling. There's there's becoming a nurse. There's the whatever it might be, right? And that just became a bit, a, not alarming, but a bit disappointing. That that I guess it's the crabs in the pot mentality, isn't it? When one crab shows signs of wanting to leave, the others pull it back in, and so yeah. So to summarize, very proud of wearing the green beret. Green beret? Am I American all of a sudden? Green berry? Uh, I had a, like out of my 100% time in the military, 65% of it was brilliant. 35% was really shit. Really shit. With some people that I wouldn't particularly choose to associate with but I respect obviously um yeah and as I said you know you got to remember I was young couldn't do that job now I know too much about life I know what it's really you know I know what the military is really for now right but that's like I say that's another story anyway hope you got something from this video if you're thinking about joining up like and subscribe because I'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll talk you through, you know, more of your options in other videos. Cheers. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.